Hello and welcome to the Volatile Podcast. This week I got to speak with Denny Ivory. She's a pretty awesome artist. Uh, she's worked with uh, uh, Beyonce and uh, uh, Imagine Dragons along with uh, CeeLo and many other artists. Uh, she's um, amazing just on her own. Fantastic person. And uh, I think you'll enjoy this podcast. Uh, if you would, please rate and review. Five star if you can. But I'll take anything and um, enjoy. Hello and welcome to the podcast. Today I have Danny Ivory. Uh, how are you doing today? I'm doing well. Can't complain. The sun is shining and it's beautiful here today. Oh, yeah. Um, you're in Nashville, right? Nashville, Tennessee. That's correct. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I, met, I imagine that the weather's pretty nice up there. Uh, I'm, I'm pretty much south of you. I'm in uh, South Georgia. So here it's really hot and humid. Yeah, I mean, I could hear a little bit of that Southern drawl in your voice. <laughs> but mm-hmm. um, Nash, I don't think it's as bad as Georgia, but it's, it's very close to the weather there. So it gets really humid and really hot here, uh, especially in like July and August kind of crazy mm-hmm. and, and you're originally from Pennsylvania right yeah I was born in Pittsburgh Pennsylvania so yeah I'm, I imagine there was a huge difference between um, you know Pennsylvania and Nashville that well the humidity is it's interesting because on the east coast humidity is humidity in the summer months it's hot you know Florida humidity Pennsylvania humidity. I mean, it gets to that Florida humidity here in Nashville, same thing in Pennsylvania. It's just not as long. Um, so when I, I lived in LA for 10 years actually, and that weather was, was pretty perfect. Can't really complain about that because there wasn't the humidity that we have to put up. There was dry heat, like that desert dry heat, but then you have the breeze from the water coming in um, that would cool it off. So it, it was never like like it gets over here on the east side of the country. Yeah, I've never been over there, but I, I have some friends that live in Los Angeles, and, and they've told me the same thing, that like the, the weather's just perfect there year-round. It is. It is. I mean, I don't, this, the LA is so populated that the smog is terrible there, so the air quality is very poor. But if you can manage to live outside of LA, maybe south in San Diego, San Diego, or even like north towards Central Coast, perfect weather, absolutely perfect. Hmm. So, how long have you been in Nashville now? Uh, we moved here about two and a half years ago. Okay, so fairly new to the area. Still new. Okay, considering like a year over, a little over a year was knocked out because of the pandemic. <laughs> So that really like diminished my uh, social capabilities to meet people and network. But um, yeah. yeah, so two and a half years. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, there's there's so many uh, people up there, especially tons of uh, musicians. Uh, I know one musician up there. Uh, I'm, I'm, I'm sure there's going to be, you know, plenty of opportunity to, uh, to meet people and ex- expand your horizons there. Yeah, I've actually, I mean, honestly, in the past two months, it's really started to blossom. I've started to play out live a lot more. I'm I'm playing at a piano karaoke bar called Sid Gold, um, which is kind of like east of Nashville a little bit. 
And then I started playing with this 10 piece, like soul funk band. And we had our first gig last night and I'm gearing up to play some of my own shows, hopefully in the fall. Um, still learning the area, but uh, I played a, a songwriter's night. It was called Girls in the Round. And that was, it featured, let's see, nine female songwriters that have had, well, 18, it was nine each night. So it was like two nights. Uh, performance but um, each songwriter would sing or perform two of their songs and every songwriter in that round um, had had major label cuts uh, you know with big artists like Old Dominion or uh, Lone Star oldie but goodie but um, all different uh, Kenny Chesney you know stuff like that so that was really fun too and it was a great way to network and meet some local artists and songwriters here it sounds like it yeah that's great so so i was looking over uh, your information and I, I see you've played with uh, a lot of bands over the years um you know uh I, the two that really stood out or really the three that stood out to me was beyonce CeeLo, uh imagine dragons and then you also played with a k-pop band yes i did so, so, they don't so, really exist as a unit anymore, but they were very popular uh, yeah. when I was uh, touring with them. So, so how did it, how did you end up, you know, working with all of these different artists? Uh, this was, uh, let's see, I moved to LA uh, right when I finished Berkeley. I was at Berkeley College of Music for a little while, and then I moved out to LA to do an internship, and um, I would say about a year. It took about two years, I would say, uh, of being out there playing in different indie bands and gigging and picking up like different jobs here and there, all music related, um, to uh, finally get an audition. There's an agent out there in LA. I don't even know if he's still doing stuff because uh, he's probably a little bit older now, but his name is Billy Squire. And he was like the guy that all the pop artists would go to to find. Uh, bands. So if I was an artist that was signed to Interscope Records and I, you know, I made all this cool music, but I didn't never played it live and I needed a band. Um, my A&R person at Interscope would reach out to Billy Squire and then he would hold auditions and they would find the band for these artists. So finally I got in with him uh, and it was, I was actually playing at a church uh, in their worship band and the drummer it was only because the drummer recommended me. It's really hard. It's all word of mouth. The drummer said, oh, you should give, uh, back then, uh, my name is Teresa, which is my real name, but my middle name is Danny. So that's how I got Danny Ivory. But he's like, you should give Teresa um, a shot at auditioning. And that was the audition for CeeLo. And CeeLo was in the audition and his producer was there and his manager at the time. And I guess it worked because they picked me to be the keyboardist and the background singer and stuff. And um, that started kind of my professional touring experience. Uh, from CeeLo, I got the 2NE1 gig because somebody saw me playing with CeeLo and then they, they were the musical director for the 2NE1 girls. And so they said, do you want to come play in this band? We need a keyboard, but sure, I'll come play. And then from that also be landed uh, the Beyonce uh, gig because same thing they saw me playing on tv or whatever with CeeLo and they reached out and that worked um what was the other one oh imagine dragons that's a little different um I went to 
Berkeley with Daniel Potsman, who's the drummer, and um, Ben McKee, who's the bass player. And actually, uh, uh, the guitar player, Sermon, um, Dan, well, there's three Dans in the band. There's Dan Plasson's the drummer, Dan Reynolds, the lead singer, and then there's Dan uh, Sermon. So it's funny, we, call, we called him Sermon or Wayne, just because that's the way we couldn't separate them. But I knew Wayne actually went to Berkeley as well. But I was really, really good friends with Dan and Ben. They were roommates out in Brighton, actually, Brighton, Massachusetts, while we went to school. And I hosted one of my... Um, first EPs that I ever made, I hosted a little EP release party in their basement and played live and it was really fun. So um, that's how I got connected with Imagine Dragons and they had an opening for, a, actually Daniel Platzman and I came in at the same time. He came in on drums, I came in on keys and vocals, um, but he ended up staying and I ended up leaving and going to play with Beyonce. <laughs> so, yeah. Oh, that's, that's that's a wild ride. Yeah, it was really fun and crazy all the time. Um, and it all kind of went back to back. I mean, there were lulls here and there. There'd be like three or six months in between. Um, but it happened pretty consistently for a while. It was just like, wow, boom, 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 gig, 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 tour, tour, tour. Um, so that was pretty fun. Mm -hmm. So uh, where did you uh, travel on the tours? Oh, everywhere. Um, when it comes to like, with Imagine Dragons, they were, we did this, I mean, uh, that touring situation was really interesting because Sermon's dad got them like a handicap air, airport vehicle bus thing. <laughs> he bought one. And so it actually came in handy instead of using like that lift for the wheelchair, they used that for amps and everything. And we toured around in that dragon, they call it the dragon wagon. We toured around in that for a long time, um, just all around, um, the west coast and i don't think we went past colorado but i don't we never really came out east so i was all over the west with them Silo, we were all over europe um and north america a little bit of canada and then with uh, beyonce she took me also to europe uh western a little bit more eastern like serbia and stuff like that and then we also went to south america which was incredible um and we went to Australia, which was also really awesome. Um, but honestly, the band that took me to the most incredible places on the planet uh, was uh, Rye, R-H-Y-E. Uh, I played organ and keys and sang backgrounds and synths and all that stuff with them. And with I was actually pregnant with my daughter when I toured with them. And we went to like 30 countries in that year 2018 and they i got to go to israel which was amazing one of my favorite places on earth i got to go to greece uh got to go to russia um where else we went to all, a bunch of places in asia japan um of course korea i had already been to korea though because of 21 as well as japan but um all, uh, we did a Canadian tour. So I, I had only been to like the big cities in Canada, like Toronto and Montreal. And then um, what's the one, 
wait, which, what's the one on the West Coast? Vancouver. Um, but we did actually, uh, Mike, who's the lead singer and the main guy, he is from Canada. So we did a full Canada tour, like two and a half, three weeks. And we got to go to Victoria, which is like an island off of the West side of Canada, which was beautiful and gorgeous. Um, so yeah, that was that. <laughs> so uh, out of all of the places that you uh, played, what, what was your favorite? Um, did any, any place kind of stand out? Or or the others? Well, that's a that's kind of a hard question because one, uh, it's venue, okay? Because the venue makes a big difference. Um, and when you're touring and you're touring like on a big stage that's, you know, created specifically for that production, like Beyonce, like, you know, we spent two and a half months in rehearsals and production rehearsals before we even you know, played a live show. So that stage was carried with us everywhere we went and you basically are given an empty arena or stadium and then you fill it with your own stage. But every place at the end of the day just looked like a big slab of concrete when you walk in. Whereas when you're playing with like uh, bands on the caliber like that Rye was at, where it's more like theaters and um, like old historic venues, theaters, festivals, then the enjoyment of walking into the, an old building that's been there for a hundred years and seeing the architecture and how it's built and the sound and not really having to do a sound check because you're not really sure what the room's going to sound like there that has an essence to it that I loved I loved um, the theaters that I got to tour with um, touring with Rye and then even with Gallant we opened up for uh, Sufjan Stevens and we did a lot of theaters with him as well and I mean I like I like the theater runs where it's like you know anywhere from like two two to five thousand maybe sometimes ten thousand um, but just being able to travel across the world and see all these old venues that were built uh, for the country that they exist in. Um, festivals though, I also love festivals. So, you know, playing uh, Coachella, I played that twice with two different artists. That was incredible. Um, we played uh, Rock and Rio in uh, Brazil, which was insane with Beyonce. I mean, just incredible. Um, it's really hard. I can't say one place that, <laughs> that just like, uh, and I haven't played Red Rocks. That's one place I've always wanted to play. And I have a feeling that will be, or would be one of my favorite places. Hollywood Bowl is really nice though. I will have to say, we did play Hollywood Bowl last summer or two summers ago. And that venue, it was just, I lived in LA for 10 years. And then the year I move away, we ended up playing there. Hmm. Um, so I, I think that was one of the most special moments for me is being able to play on that stage since I had been to so many concerts there and actually never played a concert there. So that was really nice. Yeah. Um, I can say from, uh, from my viewer perspective that, uh, you know, depending on the, um, the type of arena you're in, be it uh, like a stadium or a festival or a theater, it, it they all present like different feelings um the only thing i've ever seen in a theater was a uh, uh, pussifer and I'm, i don't know if you've ever seen them play but uh is probably one of the most interesting uh shows that i've seen like that okay i yeah. know not i have not seen them play yeah it's it's pretty cool it's, it's very different it's not anything like i expected 
Um, it was almost theatrical. It was, it was pretty cool. Um, but uh, I, I'd say, like, for me, uh, I've been going to a lot of festivals uh, over the past few years, and they seem to be the, the most enjoyable just because, you know, there's so many people there. There's so many bands there. Um, and everyone's, like, really into everything. So um, I, I can definitely see how those are probably, you know, from your perspective, you know, as the artist, that it's, it's um, really engaging. Yeah, I love festivals. They can be stressful from, uh, well, depends on if you're the headliner or not. <laughs> but um, if, you're, if you're not the headliner, they can be real stressful because you don't really get sound checks. And so you're basically just like walking up on a stage and playing. Um, so they can be really stressful for art, uh, performers who are not headlining. Um, but I can definitely see from an audience perspective why that would be enjoyable because for this like great price, you get to see a bunch of different bands and you can go from stage to stage and that's really enjoyable. Um, but I like festivals as well because when you are headlining or even if you're close to headlining, you know, up, you still will get a sound check. Um, and it's just I like to be able to see other bands too because it's it's so it's like we're all these traveling gypsies and it's just interesting to see everybody do their specific special you know talent what is your talent let's see how do you oh you balance you know on the tightrope and it just feels like we're all in this like traveling circus and we get to watch other other acts when we're there which is really fun because every you know music is just such uh it's just so, so personal. Everything, every sound is just so different. And um, it's really nice to hear it um, live as opposed to like this recording. Um, it's just a whole different experience. Yeah, I could imagine. So <clears throat> between all of the bands that you played in and the festivals and, and everything else that you've done, um, I imagine that you've picked up a lot of stuff. Like, um, what's been the most uh, influential uh, thing for you out of all of that? Um, I think that, uh, I took a lot from every band that I worked with, I would have to say, I, I mean, musically speaking, um, but even just philosophy, um, and being around like somebody like Beyonce and seeing her stage etiquette and like her just determination and her just how do I explain it? This fierceness. I mean, there's a reason why her alter ego, alter ego is Sasha Fierce because she literally looks like a lion about to rage when she gets up on the stage. And um, because she's just like, let's go, Rawr, you know? Um, so just seeing that and her workout ethic and being around that and then being around someone like Mike Milos from Rye. And I even, you know, got to be in the studio with him for a little while and just witnessing, um, his creative process and his uh, inhibition, like he doesn't have inhibitions, you know, they're, they're just like the sky's the limit and it's with precision and with some taste, but you know, there's just this really nice creative flow to it and being around that and um, trying to create sounds um, that are really true to you and how you can express what the sound that you're, you know, specifically your soul makes, like what does, what sound did your soul make? So that's, I feel like the goal of every artist is to really be able to channel that sound because not everybody finds their sound. And I feel, honestly, I feel like 
you're always trying to find that sound <laughs> no matter what, even if you are an artist and you have this like, you know, you're like Bob Marley or um, uh, James Brown, you just have this, you know, you're probably constantly trying to like refine it and make it better. And like, just, it's this endless river that just doesn't have any uh, ocean, just mm -hmm. keeps flowing. <laughs> yeah, well, I mean, the, the thing about that, is you, you never really know um, where things are going to take you in um, in you know the journey uh, throughout all of that you, you know as you mentioned you're picking up things uh, from you know all of the different artists that you've played with and you're learning uh, you've learned a lot and um, you know you, you just put out that song Pink Lightning um, did did anyone that uh, you play with like kind of uh, directly or indirectly kind of influence uh you know your work on that song yeah i would say um i was touring with gallant at the time and definitely his creative his creative um soul i want to say creative soul because I, I, I like that but his the way that he wrote songs and approached lyrics and his lyrical and melodic writing was influencing definitely at the time and also his producer stint I just really thought what they were doing musically was super cool and creative. So that had a big influence um, on that song, Pink Lightning. And then when I came back from tour and I was working with the producer that I worked on it with, you know, I, I wrote the song. I have the original demo and still that from my hotel room. And then when I came back, I said, okay, here's the song. Let's beef it out, you know, like let's flesh it out and produce it. And it went through a lot of transformations. It was kind of weird. And one was like this super poppy, like bubblegum pop sounding one. And that's just not me. And it's weird because I've worked with different producers and they always want me to be this like pop thing. And I I never really felt that way. I, I definitely have like an R&B thing to me, but I also have this like folky singer songwriter other side. Um, but with David, we were, we we tried it and it's like ah, don't like it all right let's let's come back to it like the next time came back to the next time did another one it didn't like change the underlying beat didn't work and then finally i think it was the fourth rendition he just like whipped out this weird like um don't 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 do it this weird like groove synth dance beat thing and i was like okay you're bringing out your <laughs> he's from georgia which is next to russia and um, I've actually been to Georgia. That is one place that I love. I went there with Rye two years ago. But anyways, um, he's from Georgia. And I'm like, okay, you're bringing out your Russian because it just reminds you of this like Russian dance for some reason. Um, so yeah, so that's where Pink Lightning, that's kind of the creative transformation of it. That's pretty cool. So what's the meaning of that song to you? Uh, I had it, you know, it was based on, well, I, when you write songs, you can create stories, right? Create stories. Um, I had a, you know, an interaction with an, an, a love interest in my past long time ago before I was married or even had even met my husband. And that interaction really just like stood, stood out in my mind. Um, and then for some reason, when I was in, on tour and I was coming up with song ideas and titles and stuff, I was just, I saw this flash of lightning and it was pink and we were in Texas and I was just like, huh. Or no, no, we weren't, I was in Texas at one point and then later we were in Canada. So Canada is where I actually wrote it, but 
when we were in Texas is when I saw the flash of pink lightning and then it just like came back this flash of memories of this interaction I had and then all this tie that I had to lightning when I since I was young um just memories of you know lying next to the back door downstairs in my mom and dad's house where I grew up and there was like a screen door and when it would storm I'd lay there and just listen to the rain on the deck and hear the thunder rumbling and when the lightning was coming I'd run upstairs all the way down to the end of the hall and there was this window that faced like these hills because we're kind of on top of a hill and you could see prop for miles probably like I don't know five miles or something and you just see the lightning and I would just watch it and so all of this stuff was coming together and it just seemed like this flash of memory this flash of lightning this electricity that you have with this individual and this person and how you know it's outside of your comfort zone but it's so exciting and that's what makes you know that's the invigorating nature of tiptoeing around danger I suppose yeah it, it it definitely makes life more exciting. Um, it, it thrills, I think, kind of um, change you in a lot of ways. Uh, you know, kind of opening your eyes uh, to uh, different thoughts and feelings. Uh, I think. Yeah. yeah. So, uh, how long have you um, uh, been doing your solo stuff? I say since I was five. <laughs> Because that's when, no, I guess my, the first song I wrote, I wrote on a piano. I was taking piano lessons. My mom's a musician and a piano teacher, but I had a discipline problem when it came to my mom because I just didn't want to listen to her. So she sent me down the street to her friend, Mrs. Chavostel, and I believe I was eight or seven, seven or eight, something like that. And I wrote a song and I was like, mom, I wrote this song. And so we played it at Mrs. Schwassel's house. And she said, guess what? I have a computer upstairs. You can play it in and we'll print out your, your sheet music. And I did it. That was like one of the first forms of like finale. I don't remember if that's the program she had, if it was finale or Sibelius or something, but it was like a mu music notation software. And um, I went and did that. And that was the first song. So that's like my first original song. So I say forever, but um, I always got sidetracked with getting the opportunity to play with artists and of course like you know getting paid for it when you do your own art uh I mean unless you're very fortunate and you know people or some lucky you got to be lucky luck and opportunity um it's really a uh, labor of love because you're you're paying for everything you know so um, it was easy for me to get distracted and oh, okay, we're gonna pay you this much and you come play for us. Okay, okay, I'll come, I'll come. Um, well, I'll put this on hold. But at the same time, like I always have been writing songs. I've been writing songs my whole life. I've always wanted to be a writer. I've always wanted to be an artist. Um, I don't particularly like um, certain aspects of artist lifestyle. Um, but I love being able to create music and I love being able to perform. Those are the two things that I really, and just being able to marry the two is like write my own music and play it. Hey, that's like a match made in heaven. So. Well, uh, so I, I see that you, you have some uh, tour dates planned. Uh, I'm, I'm sure you're pretty excited about that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, I'm not quite sure. What do you mean locally in Nashville? 
Um, yeah, I, I was looking at your website. It said that you had something uh, in June 26 at uh, the piano. Oh, yeah, yeah. So that's what I, I kind of mentioned this earlier. I'm just kind of mm -hmm. playing around locally right now. Um, I, what do they call that? Wetting your whistle or whatever? Mm -hmm. yeah. Is that what it's called? I'm not good with this kind of expression. <laughs> I guess. Um, but yeah, just, just starting to play out. There's a piano. It's the only one of the only piano bar, I think it's the only piano bar in Nashville called Sid Gold's. And it was just opened during the pandemic, which is crazy. But I, through another musician in town, I was recommended to the girl who owns it. And she's also a, a pianist and a singer herself. So she's been, you know, booking the heck out of that place and giving me a chance to play there a couple times a month, which I really appreciate. And then um, playing in this 10 piece soul band. And then I'm hoping, um, we're working on the next single right now for my album. So that's going to be coming out uh, probably later this summer. And then my album will be coming out in the fall. And um, coupled with that, I'll be doing some shows and I would love to do obviously like a, a release party here slash show in Nashville, but I would also like to do maybe some spot dates around the East Coast, Midwest. That would be awesome for me. Yeah, I'm sure it'd be a lot of fun uh, for, for both you and, and everyone that's coming out. Uh, have you been uh, playing live already? Yes. Well, not my original songs, actually. Mm -hmm. um, I have, I've been playing the 10-piece uh, horn and uh, group that I play with. Um, it's all, like, it's really fun, but it's all cover songs. And then the piano karaoke place, that's also or the piano bar, piano karaoke, that's also covers. So people request songs and then I play them. So honestly, what it's really getting my chops back up because I, you know, I've been writing a lot of songs. I um, actually work for a company called Song Glorious and we do, um, I write songs. And I, I'm super versatile as a songwriter. I can write country, I can write um, dance, EDM, I can do uh, R&B, do country rock could do acoustic pop whatever so i've been writing a ton for that company um and i actually have to produce the full track as well so if it's like an acoustic track like an acoustic guitar or folk song then that's just real simple like either piano vocal or just guitar vocal but if it's like a full dance edm song like that takes some time you gotta produce it put on the beat and write all the lyrics and everything so well, that's that just sounds like so much work. It is a lot of work, but it's it's really um, how do I put this? Uh, it's really helping me become a better producer. It's mm -hmm. helping me learn tricks like um, that I've maybe not never cared about because when you go and you're you know working on your music and you write the song um, and then you go work with a producer, then you're kind of just like relying on them to like make you sound good. Um, and of course you have, you know, you have your suggestions and whatnot, but now I'm, I'm really learning, okay, look, this is a vocal trick that they use in EDM uh, vocals. Uh, sorry, this is what they use for vocals in EDM. And this is how you get that like super ambient sound in the vocals. And I'm just learning and looking things up on YouTube, honestly, and just figuring it out. <laughs> So, yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. So uh, did you have anything else coming up uh, that you wanted to highlight or talk about? 
Mainly just that my next song is coming out uh, at the end of the summer, like I mentioned. Um, that one's called Don't Wake Me Up. And then my full album will be available in the fall. And that's going to be called Dreamland. And mainly, I just want to get people to listen to it. Because the more people that listen to it, the more visibility I will get. And the better chance that I will be able to get um, perhaps a booking agent and get people out to shows. Because ultimately, I think that's, that's what we're trying to do is get people to listen and then get them to listen live. So that's about it. Yeah, I'll be I'll be releasing some music. So, I'll, you know, stay tuned. All right. Well, and did you have any socials or anything that you wanted to put out there? Yes, absolutely. Uh, my Instagram is just Danny Ivory. Wait, let me just make sure it's... <laughs> Some of them have Danny Ivory music and some of them just, okay. My Instagram is Danny Ivory. And then my Facebook fan page is on Danny Ivory music. Um, and if you just really want to find it all, just go to dannyivory.com and you can find it all there. All right. YouTube what? too. Oh yeah. Yeah. You got to check out YouTube. Um, uh, I think you had some videos up there, didn't you? Yeah, I have some videos. Um, I'll be actually, we're going to be working on a music video for Pink Lightning. I actually want to do a music video for Don't Wake Me Up as well. So we have some music videos that will be coming. And then I want to do some live videos, maybe in my little home studio. I have a Rhodes and I have a piano also downstairs. So I might do something cool with that, mm -hmm. like get vibey and then maybe bring a guitar player friend over and do something fun. Do like a NPR tiny desk in my house situation yeah that, that'd be uh pretty cool on on youtube and uh i, I don't know if you use tiktok but I, i've seen a lot of artists uh, uh do, st do stuff like that on there as well yeah i i need to get more on top of i mean i have a tiktok account but i've been really not i mean i kind of get a little bit overwhelmed with all the social to tell you the truth the social stuff because mm. <laughs> there's like tiktok twitter and snapchat and uh, well, Snapchat's not as popular anymore, but because TikTok took over, but then there's Facebook and I'm just like, wow, how many things I can't keep up with everything mm, <laughs> and also yeah. still write songs and then also still work. I mean, I teach animal mom. So it's like all these things. It's a lot. <laughs> I feel uh, like just being a TikTok person, that's like a full time job. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I don't know how some people do all of that. A lot. Um, so, yeah. All right. Well, if you didn't have anything else, I'm, I'm going to let you go. That is it. And what is your name? I don't think I've been formally introduced. Oh, um, my name is Jared. And the, the podcast is uh, the, the, uh, excuse me, the Volatile Podcast, which is uh, part of the website volatileweekly.com. Uh, I believe I've promoted um, your the, uh, this track uh, maybe a few weeks ago when it first came out. Yes, well, I, I know, but I knew this was for Volatile Weekly. I just didn't realize, like, I didn't know what your name was. So very mm -hmm. nice talking with you, Jared. I appreciate it. Mm -hmm. Well, it's been great. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, uh, if there's nothing else, I'm going to let you go. All right. Well, you have a great rest of your Sunday afternoon. You too. Thank you. Thanks. Bye.